The following is a CA original. Pouncer, the Palm Squad. Pre- and post-game parties on Beale Street. It's all part of the Memphis Tigers basketball game day experience. This is the Tiger Basketball Podcast. What's happening, Tiger basketball fans? We are back for the season-ending edition of the Tiger Basketball Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato, the CA Sports Columnist. I'm joined by Tiger basketball beat writer Drew Hill and our producer Jason Munns, who's also uh, authored the hottest screenplay to hit Hollywood in years, new rom-com coming out, When Johnny Met Chandler. Um, <laughs> that's all you, man. That's that's you and Cobb. Y'all are... Yeah, but I, I hear you're, you... Cobb did the news story, and you're, you've are you been working behind the scenes on this screenplay for weeks now. No, the, the one I'm working on is whether or not Memphis is big enough for Johnny Manziel, Chandler Parsons, Penny Hardaway. Who else should we include in that? There needs, someone needs to put together, like, a meal with, like, Penny, <laughs> Chandler, Manziel. Who else can we throw in there? That's what I was, I'm trying to think. Maybe like Joe Jackson, just as like a wild card. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was gonna say maybe you need somebody from Tiger Football, but yeah, none of those I guys. I don't think Norvell <laughs> quite fits in that category. Maybe I don't know Norvell. Like those stories of him like drinking like fifteen Dr. Peppers a day back when he was younger. College Norvell, college Norvell yeah, fits in yeah, that category. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cornrow, Cornrow, Mike Norvell, Johnny yeah. Manziel, yeah. <laughs> Chandler Parsons, and and. And uh, Penny Hardaway. There you go. Boom. With, you know, maybe Joe Jackson for dessert. Comes in for dessert. Drinks and dessert at the end. Man, um, to be a fly on that wall. Yeah, that'd be fun. Um, no, but let's talk some Tiger basketball because the season's over now. Last time, we, last time we talked, it was before the conference tournament and obviously before the NIT. Um, as you're probably all well aware, Memphis made it to the semifinals. The AAC tournament lost a really compelling game. Beat the, beat the crap out of UCF in Memphis, then lost a really compelling game to Houston, makes the NIT, beat San Diego at home, and then loses to Creighton on the road in the second round of the NIT. Ends the season, what, 22 and, 23 and 14? Is that right? Yeah, I believe so. 23 and 14. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then yesterday, we're recording this on uh, Wednesday, yesterday Penny had his sort of end-of-season wrap-up press conference and he gave him he gave the season a B. Um, he said that, that would be the grade he'd give it. Twenty two and fourteen. Twenty two and fourteen. Um, what would be your grade for the season, Drew? Now that we're done with it. Well, I think it depends on what, what we're talking about. Are we talking about the season, or are we talking about the season plus recruiting? Because if we're talking about, I the, think we're talking about his first year on the job. We're now a little past the year mark. Like every like. Like to me, being a coach, all that is involved with being a coach. It's not right. just be uh, being an on the on court part of it is just a portion of being a college basketball coach. Yeah, that's just side note. That's something I get so frustrated with when people go, "Oh, well, that coach, he's just a recruiter." Well, it's like, well, recruiting is sort of half the job. So if you are, a good I'd say recruiter, more than half. Yeah, if you are a good recruiter, that does make you a good coach. But um, but yeah, it, it, including that, I, I would. I'd give him an A minus, probably. I think an, an A minus. I, th- I think they they could have gotten to the NCAA tournament. This was a team that was capable of doing that. I think Penny was spot on when he said it just took him a little bit too long to come together before the end of the year. <coughs> Had they come together sooner, maybe they get 
um, a couple wins early. Maybe they make a little noise in that Advocary Invitational and wind up in the um, in the NCAA tournament at the end of the year. But the recruiting has gone so well, especially compared to last year's, that the recruiting already is an A, if not an A plus uh, level. Where maybe the the actual I think it, I think it's an A and it can go to A plus because it's an A because he's gotten all these local guys that right. you hoped he would, and if he gets even one of these out of town guys that they're going after, it goes to an A plus. Right, and 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 with that, balance that against the season where really you still finished, you're still pretty satisfied with where you ended up with what you were able to accomplish. Um, so that's probably a B plus. And then you, you balance that out, and you get an A minus. But I I would expect Penny to say B because he's he's tough on himself. Yeah, I was I was probably at a B plus, and then down the stretch of the season, I probably would move up to an A minus because I actually was impressed with how Penny developed as a in game coach. Um, I mean, you saw it in the Houston game when they come, you know, like they're getting totally you know, outmatched by Houston, and then Penny made some adjustments there in the second half, especially the last 10 minutes when he goes to um, goes to a smaller lineup, um, and they come all the way back and almost win that game. And same thing in the Creighton game. He made an adjustment, like really, part of, they just ran out of gas and, and the foul trouble caught up to him in the Creighton game, but made the adjustment while, it, while they were getting walloped and came all the way back. And you know, you saw what he did. You know, he had the the temerity to to bench his two big recruits and and put the ball in Jeremiah's hands down the stretch of the season, and that worked. Um, I think the, the the thing you could probably downgrade him for is you know, he didn't really get that signature win. I know the two UCF wins look a lot better now that UCF took Duke down to the oh, wire. Man, they they had that game too. Yeah, but. But still, he didn't beat a top 25 team this year. Um, so I think, but he also, I think he balanced that out with, he also really didn't suffer any lo- bad losses. Um, the, the, the only Charleston, one is Charleston. Yeah. The only one. The Charleston game in, in Orlando in November. Um, and so it, it's, I, I'd give him an A minus as well. I think that's, you know, and then just the environment around the program that, you know, like like you reported, the attendance, the the turnstile attendance, more than doubled this year. Um, you know, they were average. You know, and so it's it's not quite where you know where it probably they want it to be and where it needs to be in and terms of And you'd expect it to increase again next yes. year with the team being better. Yes, with the expectations, and and that's what I wanted to address. I'm curious. You know, Petty yesterday, it was fascinating. You know asking him about the expectations for next year's team. And he just went, you know, and this is just Penny. He just went right in. He's like, I love the expectations. I love the pressure. Well, Um, let's go back a second, though, because I thought the first couple times that he got asked about the expectations, he gave pretty, I mean, very reasonable answers. He said the expectation this year was to make the NCAA tournament, and then the expectation next year is to make the NCAA tournament. And this is something he got asked after the Creighton game about, too, you know, about the expectations. And it's not Final Four or National Championship right away. It's let's get into this NCAA tournament, which I think is very reasonable. And then when he got poked some more with with more questions about, well, 
the fan expectations might be a little bit extreme compared to what the rea- like when you compare it to what reality might be. You know, that's when he said, "Well, I like those expectations. I I enjoy those expectations." Well, he, so I, I didn't mean, think he said anything out of line. I mean, he compared. I mean, let's be let's be frank. He compared next year's team to what Duke and Kentucky do. That's what he did do. He said Duke and Kentucky have proven you can win right away with freshmen, and that's what he wants to do with this year's team. So, like, he he threw those names out there, and and I actually, you know, I think he should be talking like that. Like, you want your coach aspiring to those heights. My concern is I just don't want fan the fan base to set him up to fail with like like to me the goal should just be get to the NCAA tournament and see what happens from there. I've said I've said for the last week or two what I expect from next year's team. You see where Cincinnati was was seated like a 7 seed with 25 26 wins. That's what I envision for next year's team. That's what I think they'll be. Um you know, I think it's going to take that's not the ceiling. That's but, not the but ceiling, that's... but that's what I think reality is. Because I think it's going to take them some time to come together with so many new pieces, and it'll be similar to this year's team. They'll get rolling come January, February in conference play, and I think they'll have a chance to win the conference um, because you know Cincinnati will be good. We'll see if Houston, if Kelvin Sampson's back or not. It sounds like he's a big-time candidate at Arkansas. Um, and... You know, other than those two, I don't see anyone who's going to be, you know, you could even make an argument over Memphis for at this point. Um, that was my question. Will they be the favorite? Will Memphis be? No, the I think Cincinnati or Houston will be. I mean, Cincinnati returns the player of the year in the league. You know, I mean, they lose a couple guys, but like, given their track record, I expect they will be picked to win the league. Given if Mick Cronin's back. And then they've got um, Cumberland back. Yeah. Um, and just, Cronin's another question mark, too. Yeah, will he stay? I mean, if 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 Cronin's back, I think they will. And, and, the, and Cumberland's back, I think they'll get picked to win it. But that doesn't mean I don't think, like, Memphis could win it. Like, they're going to Memphis have will be picked to win it by more than one coach. Like, this year they got, they were fourth, but they only got picked to win it by one coach. They're going to be picked to win it by but I, a handful next year, probably. But I just think I don't think this recruiting class is comparable to what the reason I want. I hope fans temper their expectations. Is this recruiting class is great as it's currently constituted? It is not comparable to a Duke or Kentucky recruiting class. You have one. I mean, like honestly, like you know, you've got James Wiseman who would be in any class of Duke or Kentucky. He's like you've got one one and done guy. Then you've got DJ Jeffries who quite frankly most Kentucky fans thought was a reach for their recruiting class when he was committed to Kentucky. Um and and he's a really nice player, but he's not like some surefire one and done pro prospect, you know? And then you've got Malcolm Dandridge and Damian Ball, again, two really nice prospects, but not guys. They're not Cam Reddish. They're not, you know, they they're not um even Trey Jones. Like they're not that caliber of recruit. Um, and so to expect this team to just hit the ground running and take college basketball by storm like Duke and Kentucky do each year with their one and dones, I don't think is realistic. Um, do I think they're going to be good? Yeah, I think they're going to be better than this year. Um, now, the big question mark is, do you add more? Um, I thought that was the most, some of the most interesting stuff from Penny's press conference because people were asking him, you know, how many guys do you want to add? And he, he was 
holding firm to the line of, you know, right now we have one scholarship. So that's what we're planning to add. And I don't, I think that was, you know, he had to say something like that. He can't say right. like, we're going to bring in more. Like, I don't think they're going to bring in just one more guy. They're going to bring in at least two. Um, and whether it's a recruit, whether it's two recruits, whether it's one recruit and a grad transfer, there, there's going to, there's going to be at least two guys. And, and it's fascinating to see who it might be. Cause I mean, now it appears there are four recruits they're in the mix for, really in the mix for, Trenton Watford, Matthew Hurt, Precious Achua, and Lester Canones. And three of those guys are at the McDonald's All-American game right now, and in interviews, they're you know they're saying very nice things about Memphis. You know, Matthew Hurt, it sounds like, might come on a visit this weekend. Um, and Precious Achua is talking about maybe playing with Lester Canones, and Memphis is one of the few schools <clears throat> recruiting both those guys. And then you've got Trenton Watford, who... Said nice things about Memphis, but I also think the more and more you read, every time I read something he says, the more and more I think he's going to be at Duke. But like every time I read his quotes, and I, it sounds like Duke is seeing what their other options are first, and then once he and and the whole the the whole narrative of him not having an offer that will that will eventually change. I think it's gonna it, it'll depend on if you know who commits to Duke maybe first before he get gets the chance to be there, but if he gets on campus for an official visit, they're offering him. Do you think, so do you think that, how, who do you, what do you think is going to happen here? How do, how do you envision this playing out for Memphis and with these four guys? I see it playing out as they're going to add, I I don't see them striking out. Let's, I'll put it that way. I think that of the four guys, they're going to get someone, it, and it's all it all really at this point depends on what happens in front of them too and the timeline um so it's really hard to read but i you know it's hard for me to imagine them striking out i think they will get one of these uh four guys maybe lester and precious come as a package like they've been talking about um i just feel I, yeah I, I just feel like my 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 thing is so to get matthew hurt you're going to have to beat duke in kansas that seems tough to get Precious Achua, you're going to have to beat UNC in Kansas. That seems tough to me. To get Trenton Watford, you're going to have to beat Duke and then potentially Alabama or Auburn who might hire his high school coach. That seems tough to me. Lester Canones, you have to beat Maryland who you know, is tied in with his school, with IMG Academy. Um, his coach... Just to give the people a little background. Lester's high school, Lester's coach at IMG, was the high school coach of Anthony Cowan, the star at Maryland. And IMG is really tied in with Kevin Plank and Under Armour. Like it's, uh, you know, they're very tied in. And obviously, Maryland is Kevin Plank's alma mater. That's what I worry about with Lester Canonas. He's very Under Armour. He has very significant Under Armour ties. So it sounds like. You think that they're behind the eight ball on all these guys? Do you? So what do you think? I, I, I just I don't question. think they're behind the eight ball. I think the fact that like the fact that like they're they're in the top. Like this is what you want to be. You want to be in like the top two or three with four these four big time recruits. Like this is how it just this is weird. This is the position you want to be in. But it's just always like there's a reason why Memphis very rarely outside of the John Cal Perry years got big-time recruits from outside Memphis. It's hard for for Memphis to get, like, I mean, it's hard to get guys who aren't 
from Memphis in terms of these big time recruits. I mean, all that this recruiting class Penny's gotten so far is all just guys with Memphis ties. Um, and so it's going to be hard when you're competing against these blue bloods. Like it's just, that's what it is. Um, and so, and, and I think, you know, like the, it's good copy and good material, you know, to write what these guys say, but like all these, these big time recruits are pretty smart guys in terms of, they know they're talking to a Memphis reporter. They're going to, they're not going to like trash Memphis when they're talking to a Memphis reporter. Um, and like I said, it's, you know, it's great that they're saying nice things about Memphis. It's, it's great exposure that all these stories are being written where Memphis is in the mix for these top 25 guys. I just think it's going to be, it's, it's, it's re- going to be really hard to get one of them. I think that's, that's my opinion on reading the situation. Um, I hope they do. And I think you're probably, I think you're probably right. I think, I think because you've put yourself in such a good, you're, you're a decent spot with four guys, maybe you don't strike, you, it's, it, you don't strike out on all four. I do think if you do strike out on all four, there will be a little disappointment, but I would just counter with, you have still have the number seven class in the country. You still have the number one recruit in the country coming here. Um, and like I said, I just hope, I just hope people don't set up Penny to fail in terms of thinking this is like a team that's going to make the final four or even like expect a sweet 16, a sweet 16 would be nice. But like right now for this program, the goal should be just to get back to the NCAA tournament and compete for a conference title. And I think that's in play for next year. Anything beyond that would be great. Would be gravy. Think about it like that. Don't, don't expect like th- that suddenly Memphis is going to be a top 10 team in the country. Cause I think you're just setting yourself up to be disappointed. And I don't think even though Penny won't, you know, Penny's Penny won't say it and he wants, you know, and, and like I said, you should want your coach to aspire to that. But I just hope the fans just like this year, Penny aspired to make the NCAA tournament. That's what he said. His goal was, I think most reasonable fans knew that that would be gravy if he made the NCAA tournament in his first year. Um, and so I just hope the fan base's mindset stays, you know, stays similar to that. And then you're not saying that that's not the ceiling, that it's not No, possible. they could. I mean, no, right. like once you get to the NCAA tournament, you get the right matchups, right. you can go, you know, look, Loyola Chicago made the Final Four. Like, I'm not saying you can't go to the Sweet 16 or the Final Four next year. Once you get in the tournament, everything's up. But that's what I'm saying, like, to me, people should be focused on let's make the tournament. I agree, and I think you know, the, with the talent you have next year, you need to go to the tournament. I mean, you got the number one player in the country. You know, you you've got this fan base so excited um, for what's to come, and it's it's it would be disappointing to miss the NCAA tournament next year in my eyes. Oh yeah. I oh it'd be a failure. It'd be a, the season would be a failure if you're not in the tournament next year. That's where the expectations are different than um this year. Um it just it just is. I mean it's just reality is that you got to make the tournament with this with this roster. It'll be interesting to see like how he manages the roster is going to be fascinating. Like yesterday, you know, a year ago when Ryan Boyce came to Memphis, you know, Penny was Penny was publicly said like he's going to walk on freshman year and then he'll be on scholarship as a sophomore. 
And, well, he walked that back yesterday because they need scholarships for if some of these guys commit. Like he just said, I don't know yet. And that was, you know, ultimately that's the right answer. I feel bad for Ryan Boyce. I think he should have, like, he, he it's like that. that's what's going to be fascinating to me going forward because you saw at the end of this year, Penny basically started playing just like eight or nine guys. And that's probably what he'll end up doing next year. And now you've got like... 12, 13 guys who all think they should be playing. Right. Um, and three or four of them are not going to really play. And how does he, how does that play out? Um, who, who are the guys who don't end up playing and how does, how does Penny manage that? That's um, what I'm wondering. I mean, like, what is the lineup going to look like next year? And, and, and will it be as shallow as it, as it, I think it'll be more, I think it'll be more deep, but you know, at the same like we talked to, to Penny about this yesterday about the shooting. We're like, do you worry about not having enough shooters on your team right now, or is that one of your priorities is to add a shooter? And he's like, well, we have all our shooters sitting on the bench right now, or a lot of them besides Tyler. You know, we had David on the bench, Lance Thomas on the bench. You mentioned Jaden's on the bench, but when you like. There's no way that all of those guys are going to be able to play alongside what they already have. There's going to be people that are disappointed with minutes. Well, like, look at it. Let's let's just talk it out here. So, like, potential starting lineup. Let's say, let's say they add. Let's let's do a scenario where, like, you think what you think they have the best shot with Lester, probably. Probably, yeah. Let's say they add Lester Canones. Let's say he's the additional player, um, and let's say. Let's say they add a grad transfer shooter. Rajon Tucker, Little Rock. Yeah, they're not getting him. Um, but he's a shooter though. Thank yeah, you. he lit up. He lit up Memphis <laughs> when they play when Little Rock played here. Um, but no, like you go just so Wiseman definitely going to start. I think Jeffries. There's been some promises made. He's definitely going to start. Um, I think. So then you've got three spots in the starting lineup. Do you start? I don't think you can. I don't think you start Tyler and Halo together. Has Antoine Jones shown? I, I think. I, I think Antoine's gonna set himself up up well to start next yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. I think Antoine starts. I, yeah. I, I mean, think Halo starts because he matches up better with with a lineup with Jeffries and guys who. I, I think. I think Halo starts. You have so let's say Halo, Antoine, Jeffries. Wiseman, and let's say maybe Lance Thomas as your four, maybe Lance Thomas or Trenton Watford if they can yeah, get in, or Trenton Watford. somebody else middle. So that means your bench. You've got Tyler Harris. You've got um, Lester Canones. Let's if they get him. You've got um, you've got uh, David Winget. Da- uh, David Winget. Ryan Boyce. Ryan Boyce. Lance Thomas, possibly Lance Thomas, are, yeah, or or Trendon Watford. You know, like mm-hmm. if you get Trendon Watford or Precious Achua, those guys, one of those guys, is going to be in the starting lineup, and Lance Thomas is going to be coming off the bench. You got Isaiah Maurice. Mm-hmm. You've got um, Jaden Hardaway. Yeah, Jaden. I mean, Jaden's not going to play. I'm sorry. Like if he does play, something's gone wrong. Like maybe by the end of his career, he is a guy that's going to be down there on the bench. You were naming yes, the bench. I guess that's right. Ryan Boyce, um, you know, I'm trying to think, is there, oh, 
we've Damian Ball, like right. oh, you know, yeah. like Malcolm Dandridge, yep. like you're not like there's gonna be four or five of those guys who aren't gonna play. It's just and like that's gonna be fat. You know, we haven't even met like Victorino. I think we're all assuming will transfer, but like it's gonna be really difficult to keep people happy. Um, but that's it, a good problem to have in a way. I mean, it can be. But it can also be a real pro- a chemistry issue. It can like yes, in in some ways it can be. It's great to have all this. Oh, it's better than having not yeah. enough talent. It's better than like what Memphis had a couple years ago with Tubby, where they only had like nine scholarship guys and you didn't have enough players. Right. Like you didn't have any depth. Right. But like having too much depth and too, not just too much depth, but too many guys who feel they should be playing. And, like, quite frankly, a lot of these guys, you, there's good arguments to be made. They should, you know, like, they would play on other teams. And, like, how Penny balances that. Like, even on his teams at East, he had a ton of talent. But he didn't have a ton of talent on his bench. He had talent, you know, he had, like, four or five really good guys. And he started all of them. Or six or seven guys. And he played all them and then didn't need to deal with the rest of the roster. Um, what did you make of how he balanced that this year? I know it's not the same situation. I think he did a pretty good job of, of figuring that out. He made the made the changes about midway through the year, and he didn't have. But like, how many guys did he have who were itching to play that he didn't play? Like all those guys, like you know, Jaden Boyce, Winget, they were all redshirting, and Lance, they were all redshirting. Like he didn't really have that many options in the end. I mean, the only guy I think who you could say was not happy with his playing time this year was Mike Parks. Right, and I I, I get what you're saying. I guess that that wasn't really what I was trying to get at. What I'm trying to get at is, you know, balancing sort of the egos, like players that, you know, think they should He did a great job. He did a great job, and that by the end of the year, he realized, I'm just going to play eight or nine guys, and that's what works best for me. And I think that's that's what's going to work best next year, too. Maybe you can go up to ten, but, like, ultimately, go look around college basketball and the, at the best teams. Most of them do not play more than nine or ten guys. Like, it, that just doesn't happen very often. So that's going to be his biggest challenge next year, I think, um, just balancing this out and, like, figuring out who's going to play and, you know, how to keep everyone happy. Um, and in the end, you know, honestly, there's probably going to be transfers by, by the end of next year. My, would be my guess. That's not a bad thing. It's just like reality. There's going to be some guys who it don't play. In almost yeah. every program. There's going to be some guys who don't play, and he, they're going to transfer out. And honestly, it might end up being good for Memphis because if ever say like say like next year only James Wiseman leaves early, you know, then you're looking at you only have like two scholarships open because like only Maurice and him would be the only ones who leave. So like, you know, and that's why you feel bad for a guy like Ryan Boyce because like honestly. Penny's just going to keep recruiting over a kid like that. Like, like he's a good player. Um, but, like, ultimately, it feels like with what Pen- how Penny's recruiting, like, he's going to be recruiting, you know, he's con- – like, like what if they get Kyrie Walker? That's another guy who, like, you know, like, what if they get – R.J. Hampton. And like, Jalen Green. they got, got plan Bs, too. Matthew yeah. Morrell. Like, all these other guys. <laughs> like, it's just going to be it, – and it's going to be fascinating. I mean, they, you know – Maybe Penny, you know, like Penny has shown an ability to transcend some of these issues, though. That's part of his charm. Like, you know, the fact that he got Tyler Harris, even though like Tyler's parents and 
his AAU coach didn't want him really to come to Memphis. You know, the fact that he, you know, he bridged that gap with, with Team Thad. Like, he's shown an ability to do that. And I think that's going to be very useful <laughs> over the next year. But um, it, I can't wait to see how it all plays out. I really can't. It's going to be a really interesting offseason for sure. And and who do we think transfers? Do we think Victorino transfers? Do we think that's happening? Uh, it, it feels like it doesn't. And I mean, he didn't play. He didn't play a lot. But I don't like. See, I'm not. I'm just not a big fan of speculating on which kids are going to leave and and not until you really have an idea of what's going to happen. But yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. It, it looks like he would be uh, a guy that could probably get some some good playing time elsewhere and didn't didn't see the floor very much down the end of the year. Yeah. I think that, yeah, probably him. I don't know. I'll be, I, I bet, I don't know. It feels like no one else is going to transfer. I don't know. No one else on scholarship. Yeah, I mean, and we should mention, too, after the game, after the last, after the Creighton game, you know, I'm in the locker room hearing, you know, people ask about, are you coming back next year or not? And of course, they're all going to say that their plan is to come back in that moment. I I, I still remember two years ago when KJ Lawson sat after the AAC tournament and said with a straight face, "I can't wait to be the leader of this team next year," and then like transferred to Kansas. Um, so like, yeah, like when you ask him in the moment after that, what are they going to say? Right? Like, you know, what are they going to say? But you got to ask it. But like, what are they going to say? So. Um, yeah, that'll be uh it's gonna be a fun ride. We'll 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 be back with the podcast periodically, I'm sure, over the course of the off season. We got a lot more to cover this off season than some past years for sure. Yeah, no, and like, you know, once these guys get on campus in June, I think it is, and then you've got potentially it sounds like they might make a foreign trip this off season, maybe to Canada or the Caribbean or I'm cheering Europe. for the Caribbean. I don't know. You don't like the Caribbean in the summer is not that great. It's like, I mean, like you want to go to the Caribbean in like the fall, but it's like hurricanes. I told you I'm done taking travel suggestions. For actually, you don't want to go in the fall. That's that is <laughs> actually in the middle of hurricane season. Mark, Mark in Omaha suggested uh, a place to eat that the drover that caught fire and was not open. <laughs> the dro- okay, listen, the drover is like when people. So I went to Omaha. I was there for two weeks five years ago to cover the college world series when UVA was there. And I'm just telling you, everyone who covers the college world series goes to the Drover. It's this great steak place. Not anymore. It's, it's It's reopening in April. It's reopening in April. It's, it's what the kids call fire. You know, it was like, so it was so on fire that it caught fire. Jason cut this podcast off. (laughs) All right. That's the, all the time we have this week. All right. Well, we will we will be back. Make sure you check out commercialappeal.com. We'll have plenty of Tiger basketball content throughout the off season, even this week. Um, we didn't even talk about Mike Miller um, and UNLV, but it sounds like that's not going to happen um, more than likely. Mm-hmm. Um, but so that's good. It sounds like it seems like Mercer Mercer looks like it's making a hire. So it seems like Petty's going to keep the coaching staff intact for another year, which is huge. Um, for the, for the program, I think. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll have plenty updates and, uh, yeah. Thanks so much for joining us throughout the entire season. Um, till next time I was Mark joined by Drew and Jason. We will uh, catch on the flip side. I'm Sean King. 
The Tiger Basketball Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.